0: What is up everybody and welcome into episode 127 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we'll talk about what it's like to take a single exercise through all four stages of my practice method. Our featured artist this week is a little bit different. We have four featured artists. Mike and I are going to talk about some of our favorite Instagram drummers. In our gear review section, we'll be taking a look at some new acorn tip sticks from Vader Percussion. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Ooh. That sounds like an acrylite. If I had to guess, I would
1: say that's an acrylite detune with a wad of paper and duct tape on it
0: you mean my snap
1: no no simon's beat
0: <laughs> uh, you gotta be kidding me that's just how that's how into my own snap i am right now i was like yeah i could see it that snap was a little acrolighty. okay we're, we're talking about simon not all about you johnston oh, goodness gracious yeah I just love, okay, on to Simon's intro groove. Yeah. How it. crazy is it when you displace one snare hit, how it's like, oh, whole new world of grooves just opened up to you. Yeah. I dig it. I mean, that's such a cool beat. And the hi hats sound great. Everything sounds great about that. I mean, the,
1: again, yeah. I'm like, are, are you using electronics here, brother? But no, I think it's real. I think I it's think that's real.
0: <laughs> you know, he. that's that. Right there is that tempo that we talked about at the end of 2017 that i'm still not confident uh, playing in i would have played that exact same groove as i think it sounds to
1: me like he's playing it hand-to-hand but that would be cool to do all with the right hand as well like to get yeah. that lopy thing is
0: that what you're working yeah. on that like one-handed 16th kind of vibe I, yeah well i would say what i'm working on is not just that groove but staying in the tempo of that groove without leaping yeah. to 30 second notes gotcha um because I instantly start putting in my gadisms my inverted doubles as 30 yep. seconds and all that kind of stuff I'm trying to just be happy with moving things around out cat to cat 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 to cat and then what happens is I go cat 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 I start revving the engine it's like mm-hmm. ah, just stay there man whatever so, you got to do to get back to that like one 115-120 range is <laughs> exactly. that where you like to live? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like living at, exactly. I'm I'm happy at I would say 95 cuz then all of my 32nd notes are ripping at, you know, uh, a, a nice 190 and then I took a while to do the math on that. And then uh <laughs> oh yeah. And then my 16th <laughs> We got to correct notes some notes. math from last last week. I know. I know. Now, okay, but I did some research on that too. You want to get into it right now? Yeah, yeah. First of all, thank you, Simon
1: Treasure, for that awesome intro beat. If you'd Absolutely. like to uh, have your grooves included as an intro, I would suggest doing a similar vibe, not too many notes, not too harsh sounding, but send it to Info at moderndrummer.com. And um, we're just putting them in in the order that we receive them. So we got another one come at the end of the show, but that was Simon Treasure. Thank you. Now, Love back it. To where okay. were we at? <laughs> math.
0: So, uh, math. And Rigo sent us an email. Yes. About. Me saying that a 15 inch set of hi hats was like a 30 inch ride, so and it's mathematically it's not right. So, well, he's talking about the area, right? So what what I was trying to do is, I'm I'm trying to track down the ounces. Yeah, that's what I want to know. How much metal? Because that's exactly that's the the cost um, but what I will say I did uh, do some research and reached out or um, was reaching out to a few symbol folks and I asked okay why are hi hats so expensive and one of the reasons I was given I still haven't tracked down the ounces that's what we need to do what is the ounce? and let's compare it to a 20 inch ride symbol you know what are the ounces that a 20-inch ride symbol is and what's the ounces of Two fifteen-inch or fourteen-inch hats would be the norm, but what I was told is one of the reasons that the cost goes up is because you have to put in the man hours of two symbols. Yeah, you're producing you laid the bell. Two symbols. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You stamp two symbols. You polish two symbols. So the hours goes up on that, and that's where the cost is coming from, not just from the amount of metal that they're using. But I do appreciate Rigo reaching out and being like, hey, almost like tiptoeing, like, look, I really love you guys, but, you, you know, it's not a 30-inch ride symbol. It's like, I, all right, I'll take it. Keep us honest. I love that stuff. He actually even signed off saying former, uh, let's see, family member. So Mike's Lessons family member, formerly in good standings. Rigo, <laughs> you're in great standings. You can call I me mean, out any day of the week. I love it. If this was, um, you
1: know, Mike and Mike's geometry podcast, then I think, you know, we should be fired. <laughs> well, but. Right. I mean, when's the last time, you had to, last time you had to compute the area of a circle? Seriously.
0: Uh, Tenth never. grade, maybe? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I actually just took the F on that. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to just put my effort into becoming at least third chair in jazz band this semester. I'm going to put my efforts there. So, But, Rigo, thanks for reaching out, buddy. We absolutely, absolutely appreciate that stuff. All uh, you guys can reach out. So, so check it out. I just did a quick uh, – hopefully this is – Accurate math. So a
1: okay. Zildjian cero, because I know that they put the grams on their symbols. Okay, a twenty-inch cero is around twenty-two hundred grams. Okay, a fourteen-inch hi-hats is around two thousand grams. When you add them both up,
0: okay, so it's so right it's about the same, about but twice same. as much work. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that makes sense. And and there I didn't, we go.
1: I didn't look at the prices. So the four, the Kuropes are about five hundred bucks. The twenty-inch ride is about four hundred twenty-five bucks.
0: Okay, there you go. That makes sense. I feel like we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I really do. I'm feeling happy, man. I'm feeling good. What other science did we screw up recently? Let's see. <laughs> the fact that we screwed it up and we're still kind of right makes me feel good. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm all I'm all right with that. I, I would be, you know, if somebody said, is a 14-inch drum head exactly 14 inches? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't mm. know. What the rim or the yeah the rim is on it? I haven't mm. measured it, which is crazy. It's like we've been playing drums our whole life, and I've never taken a tape ruler to like my fourteen inch shell to find out is it exactly four. Have you ever measured your shells? No, you probably have right? no. But okay. that's that's my favorite.
1: That's my favorite when I see like a used. Clearly, someone who just found a drum in their grandparents' garage and puts oh. it up, and it's like it's a twenty three inch
0: bass drum, or it's like right. Like they measured it. You, what are you measuring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, exactly. Oops. <laughs> yeah, from tension rod to tension rod. Yeah, yeah I've, I've definitely seen those those Craigslist ads. I've got a 15 and a half inch snare drum. Like, yeah. that's going to be hard to find a head for that one. <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> 17.3 floor tom. I like
1: how we immediately go into making fun of other people for screwing up math. <laughs> yeah.
0: Welcome to humanity. That's how it makes us feel better about ourselves. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into NAM talk. You're headed off to NAM.
1: Well, gosh, now we have to put ourselves into the future. It is Friday. What is it? It is Friday, <laughs> January. It's Friday of hey, NAM. Hey, it's my birthday. Imagine that.
0: Oh, happy birthday.
1: <laughs> so it's the Friday of NAM at this point. I've already been all the way around the whole show once and I've seen all the good stuff, but I have no idea what I've seen because it's actually Tuesday. I don't know what
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Give me the rundown. Do you go prepared with like airborne and echinacea and all that stuff? I don't care about the gear. How do you stay healthy at Nam? I stay healthy at Nam by
1: definitely avoiding the huggers. Anyone who comes okay. at me with open arms, I just, unless it's someone I you know I know where they're coming from, I'm like, eh, no <laughs> man. Here's a. <laughs>
0: Here's a fist.
1: Here's a handshake, and then I make sure that that hand stays a good 18
0: inches away from my body for the next hour before I get a chance to wash it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Everybody, all the podcast listeners are going to be so self-conscious when they meet you at now. <laughs> That's so rad. The no, good thing is they will have already have met you by the time they listen to this. So yeah, I've like, already oh, done that's it. That's yeah. why he was like that. Yeah. Okay, you
1: know, I'm not a I'm not a big hugger, and I I kind of get skeeved out by like the overly, when you're in public, people think you have to be overly excited to see people. I just think it's, for me, it's a little put on. Maybe people are sincere right. about wanting to come in and bear hug, but I'm like... I don't think we would do that if we just met up for like a beer somewhere maybe right. <laughs> so.
0: you know I, I mean there there was definitely a time though when you and some of your um, co-workers were the gatekeepers for a lot of people it was like well if I'm mm. just in with MD they'll review my product or if I'm just in with MD maybe they'll let me write for their educational section I remember the first time you ever called me I mean I just ran home straight to Amber I was like Babe, I still was like Michael Dawson from Modern Drummer just called me and wants me to write an educational article for Modern Drummer magazine. That was like the biggest yeah. thing ever. Like I made the big time, you know. And uh, so yeah, I could I could totally see people wanting to come in and be like, oh my god, there's MD, you know. So yeah. So anyway, I, I, I do actually take a
1: lot of vitamins. I think a lot of ibuprofen. Uh, I make sure that every day I take an emergency. With, yeah. with the extra B vitamins, mainly just so I can keep my energy up and not crash, because I very rarely get a chance to eat. And if I do, it's usually like a terrible hamburger in the back of the hall right. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, You so, try to be good. I mean, I've tried to be good and I go out to those food trucks or whatever, but the lines are like yeah. just insane. So then you go to the place that has the smallest line, which is the crappiest food. And yeah, that's why it has like the a, smallest
1: line. A really like a rubber sandwich or something. It's like, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, awesome. I, I want to tell them, I'm like, just so you know, you're... Your thing here. This is a hot pocket. Like I have this one. Stop <laughs> calling it a pierogi or whatever or whatever they're calling it. I'm like this is a hot, this is the this is the pepperoni hot pocket. I have this at home. why don't you charge me nine dollars for this? Cool, man. Well, I'm I'm uh, uh,
1: yeah. I'm, so I guess it is f- it is Friday of the show. Or if you're listening to this on Sunday, sorry you missed out. But go back and check <laughs> the Modern Drummer Instagram feed and Facebook feed, and you'll see all the the latest stuff. I'm going to be snapping shots all throughout the day. Cool. Very uh, there's cool. Definitely some stuff can... I'm looking forward to. I've seen some sneak peeks of some things that look pretty cool. So we'll see. Sabian, yeah. Sabian's got a new line that's going to you know be interesting, and Vader just made public some of their new st- new sticks and things that
0: are coming out. So let me ask you this. Yep. In in all honesty, do you think there are companies that make stuff for Nam with no real desire or no plans to actually put it into production? Or mm. is that even possible? I don't think so. I think it's it's okay. become the target for
1: new products, but it would be stuff that you know they would they would make anyway. It I, just I mean, Nam is the deadline, right? I would
0: assume because there, there's people walking around that can say we'd like to order a hundred of those. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of like s- small imprints that
1: maybe are just trying to they're hoping Nam is going to be what gets their company going and may or may okay. not work, but. I think from this, the, the established brands, it's just an excuse to, like, that's your deadline. Here's the new stuff. Because really, it, be, it becomes almost a radio silence after the NAM show because that's it. Yeah. We're done for the that's year. It. There's all of our new stuff.
0: And it didn't used to be like that because people weren't able – if you didn't actually travel to the NAM show, you didn't know it existed. So then there was – what's the other one? Uh, when, or Summer NAM. Yeah, and Summer and NAMM
1: has become basically just a rehash of – of what was a WinterNAM and, and Mesa from what Mesa's, I've heard is, is really not doing much. It's, not,
0: it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I had a blast when I was there, but there was definitely no product unveiling. And most of the companies that you and I are into didn't, even show there but yeah PASIC, I, think that the, I mean i've seen
1: some stuff at basic like zildjian usually brings prototypes to basic to test out with college students and stuff maybe okay. more jazz sounding things that they may or may not and actually put into production or right. classical models that they may or may not release but in general nam is the spot word like it, that's right. it here's everything
0: it's where it happens yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well have a blast buddy i will uh, be here working on camp material and and uh, just going full OCD on my studio to make sure it's as clean as possible when the campers get here. So
1: what is the topic for the camp?
0: Do you have it outlined? Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be that I am the vocabulary teacher and Carter is the application and the artist of that vocabulary. So I'll be teaching people how to expand their current vocabulary. I think that's probably going to be my biggest theme is let's take things that everyone in this room already knows how to do and let me show you how to grow what you already know, because you just either were too lazy to practice it thoroughly, or honestly didn't know that you could do that with it. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking something as simple as taking uh, some some of the deeper stick control exercises and just putting your left hand on your on your thigh. So that you only hear your right hand on the ride symbol, it's like, oh, that's a really cool syncopated rhythm, and it's like, yeah, well, you were playing really monotone. If you would have just ghosted the left hand and brought the right hand up, that rhythm was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't just appear. You just were hearing it as da 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 da, da but sometimes you ghost that left hand, pop the right hand, and you get da and do da da and do da and do da and do da and do da and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's like Y Y Z stuff, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. it was always there. You were already playing it. You just weren't hearing it. That's
1: yeah, that's something I always forget about that that learning curve of getting used to hearing patterns on different services. Because when I, whenever I have a, a young student, like a, a child and i have them go from playing the hi hat to the ride cymbal it's like a whole new thing but i'm like you're just moving your hand but for them it's like a it's
0: just information overload like i can't man that it. ride well and and when you don't know how to play a ride it's like why won't it stop it's yeah. like well it's not doing anything you're hitting it really hard in a really weird place um, i'm always i'm always surprised when somebody new to the drums plays the ride for the first time and i'm like oh wow i forgot that it's not it's not just common knowledge to hit it in the sweet spot you don't know where, where how would you know where to hit it oh, It's yeah. like, oh that's an injury you just hit the edge you keep hitting the edge with the tip with the <laughs> nylon tip in general the companies are smart and they put their logo right where you're logo at the it. sweet
1: spot <laughs> i mean hit the logo we just
0: we just did a live lesson uh on sunday about how to play the ride symbol, and i was and i was saying to the Mike lessons family like i know this seems really common but like common knowledge, but it's not. Look, And the reason it's not is because I host drum camps and people hit the ride in some weird, really weird places. <laughs> and so I said, look, generally the companies will put their logo right in the sweet spot. It's about the halfway distance between the very end where the bell ends and the edge of the cymbal, um, and maybe just about an inch down from that middle spot. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think that that my role in the camp is going to be giving people – some new vocabulary and new ways to think of the vocabulary they already have and build their vocabulary. And then I want Carter's role to be the sound, the touch, the feel. Like if you could play all that, how would you make it sound good? How would you make it feel good? Um, yeah, and then we'll great. just kind of see where the camp goes from there. So, yeah. it's, so uh, it by be the way,
1: I, I subbed for Carter on Sunday while he was getting his puppy. Holy dude. cow. That is a high pressure gig, dude. <laughs> you played Holy. the lion King I, on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I mean, god. I'm not I'm not humble bragging. I want to just talk about the fact that that gig is no joke pressure. It's like it's a combination of playing a huge theater with a pop act and playing with a symphony orchestra. Like, good luck don't miss your bass drum notes. <laughs> wow. Know? Follow well, the conductor. How did it go? It went I mean, I, he'll be able to give you a more honest report when he talks to the conductor. I think it went about a B minus, C plus. Okay. You know, I missed a couple uh, things that that it was just, you know, in the heat of the moment, I'm like, whoa, what happened? Okay, cool. Let's go pick it back right, up. Right, right.
0: But, but at no point did, like, Simba fall down or anything because you missed a crash cymbal? No, I don't think it disrupted the show. Again, I don't know. The conductor will probably be more honest with him than
1: he was with me. But I right. feel like all the songs were solid. It was just, you know, some of the incidental stuff where it's like where you're basically playing background music to the action. But I can't really see the action, so I have no idea what the hell's going on. Gotcha. You know, that stuff was just so intense, like when he's wow. conducting from three to four and then he goes in a different, you know, there's fermatas and there's cues for other people. I'm like, which one is for me? <laughs> but man, that's an intense gig, man, but to to have that, to do that every day.
0: Wow. And it's funny because I,
1: you know, I went and sat and observed him four or five times okay. and he's just like, whatever, man, just play. He just plays the show. That's no big deal. Let's just roll. But. When you sit in that seat and you put your ears in and you're the one that has to hit all the notes. Right. Totally different experience. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's been doing that for a long time. Dude, he's yeah. texted me from the show. He's like, hold on. Yeah. Simba's about to get into some sauce. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Dude, call me later, man. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, I think that's no awesome. Joke. Now, do you, did you have anyone come to the show to see it? No. I mean, that show sold out, dude. It's always slow. yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't know if you got yeah. like a guest list or anything like that. I don't
1: think so. I didn't even want to. I just wanted to keep my right. head down, do job, play the show, down. not good get man. assassinated afterwards, and, and be good to go.
0: <laughs> so, do you feel confident enough that if Carter needs you to come back and sub again, that everything would be cool from the director's perspective? I mean, would they be like, "Oh, cool"? We've, we've dealt with Mike before. He's, he's I feel like
1: if I, because I did the matinee, I feel like if I would have done the evening show as well, the things that I missed in the first show wouldn't have been a problem. Gotcha. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm ready to, it, each time it would be a little bit better. It's just getting over that, like, it's just a weird experience because you've got in-ears in, but you're playing with an orchestra, so you can't really gauge how loud you need to play. And you mm. actually have to play really freaking loud, but I'm used to playing underneath the sound of an orchestra. Okay. So I'm hitting the cymbals harder than I do when I'm playing a rock gig. And I'm in an orchestra right. pit. I'm like, what this is just this does not compute. This is so strange. But you are
0: are you in a booth? Yeah, it's a complete isolation booth. Like hundred percent. Okay. There's so a they, little, little plexis. Yeah. <laughs> there's a box inside the orchestra pit. With the drum what set a, in it. <laughs> yeah. uh, with a massive drum set. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Professional question. Did you get in there and adjust all the gear or did you just sit down and play? I didn't touch anything, man. Atta boy. I mean, nice. I, I, to, to say I did I did whack a microphone once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the best sound to a PA ever. Because, <laughs> uh. I mean, his setup is really compact and comfortable, but it's not, I mean, I'm used to things being a little bit more spread out. So as I was reading True. and playing these tom grooves, I'm like, oh, I of just course. whacked the rack tom mic. <laughs> Whoops. That's awesome.
0: Dude, congratulations. That's a really cool thing, man. That, it was, that's awesome, Thanks, man. thanks for Carter well, for just having the faith that I could
1: learn that show. It's that's a it's a bitch of a
0: show. a boy. how a boy. Now we're getting somewhere. Now the podcast just got real. All <laughs> right. Let's segue from that into some education. Uh uh So I want to talk about what it's like. I was on the phone yesterday with uh, one of the Mike Lesson students. Uh, his name is Michael LaVille. And he was asking about, he was saying, look, I, I kind of struggle with creativity and I want to bring up my creative level. And I know you talk about practicing creatively. And so we were talking about things and I just suggested, well, if you're really into doing this one thing that he was practicing. And so why don't you just walk that one thing through all four stages of the practice method? So, Make that thing that you're really working on that you really have a lot of passion for. do something non creative with it and push yourself physically, then do something creative with it, then add something new to it to make it your main focus, you're growing it, and then apply it to some music and it was like he was like wait i I don't have to make all four stages totally different and it's like no, 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 mm-hmm. you could you could take single strokes and do the four stage practice method with it. so I wanted to talk about what it would be like to take a single exercise, and I wanted to explore. Not just saying be creative with it, but what you or I could actually do with it. So, okay, let's see. Let's say that we have something that we're working on. Let's go with halftime shuffle. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, if I was working on the halftime shuffle, I wanted to be proficient at it, my non-creative exercise would just be the three notes of right, ghosted left, and right just the shuffle yep. with the left hand in between so I'd go dub it dub itb it dub it and I would do that for 10 straight minutes moving that around the kit but not moving it like trying to make a solo out of it just moving it like very specifically now I'm on the ride now mm-hmm. I'm on the floor right. and I would just physically work out that jep-a-ka, 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 jep-a-ka. what about you I would
1: probably have stay on the pad and I would use that okay. as, as a warm-up and a timing exercise too with the click being on the offbeat or something like that like I would use okay. that as my perfect my, my subdivision practice because I think for me a, a big part of that initial warm-up non-creative phase is mental focus yeah. so that's why I use the offbeat yep. click because this you can hear right away if your mind is wandering you start it starts to flip yeah so I would okay. do that so, I just play it on
0: the pad and just now evenly. would you be playing those three notes or the entire halftime shuffle
1: uh just the three notes yep I would uh, right, left, see right. what I do yeah yeah I would just do right left right right left right right left just over and over again
0: Right. Okay, perfect. So now we've warmed up our body a little bit, and we've kind of warmed up just our focus. We're ready to attack some focus. But we haven't been creative whatsoever because we specifically did something. So now we need to take the halftime shuffle into a creative realm. What would you do for that? I would –
1: that's when I would apply that stick into the kit and see how long I could sustain it without breaking and and just get – you know focusing on the orchestration and the melody and just trying to every time i repeat it think of a new way to orchestrate it split the hands make the right hand go between different toms just working on all different yeah. things and then
0: you could sweep the right hand yes you, yeah you, exactly
1: and then just try to find some kind of a musical statement i would that section which is the bulk of my practice the, lately has been creative practice okay i kind of just go stream of consciousness consciousness until i find some kind of a phrase that becomes a four bar melody So then that becomes like a solo. So I got this four bar theme and I'm going to just, you know, mess around with that theme and variations for a while.
0: Beautiful. Um, I'm going to take it um, and I'm going to play four bar phrases, but two bars will just be standard halftime shuffle, kick on one and three. And then bars three and four will be a bass drum improvisation. Mm. So it's. Okay. And then. Doom, 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 doom. And then I would just do that in four bar phrases mm-hmm. and try to find little tiny bass drum phrases that screw up the shuffle. And then, real quick, I write those down. Okay. Every time you start a bass drum here, the shuffle falls apart. You're going to need to move that into your main focus later today because you physically can't do this. Yeah. I'm, my drummer brain's smart enough to think about it. My drummer body's not talented enough to pull it off um okay so we've got now we've got our two stages out of the way now it's on to main focus so in main focus let's assume that you and i can both play the halftime shuffle now we're trying to grow it into something that we currently can't do so i might put say the halftime shuffle i'm gonna go right hand on the floor tom so i'm just playing a halftime shuffle but my hi-hat part's on the floor tom Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work on left foot independence. So I would run through quarter notes, then upbeats, the ands, then eighth notes, then splash close. Those would be my standard ones. And then that's when I would start working on, I wonder, can I put the left foot on the upbeats of the triplet, you know, on the and of the triplet? Can I maybe do a dotted um, uh, quarter note feel or a dotted eighth note feel? Can I, you know, I'd bring in some left foot independence. Because I know physically I can't do that. You know? Yeah,
1: for me it's bass drum because I haven't practiced that okay. groove enough, and there's just like certain offbeat bass drum parts, like the uh, "Full in the Rain" bass drum part, always just feels uh-huh. weird to me. So that would probably be where I would Perfect. start. Would it you go super grid super system
0: slow. on it? Um, or would it just be specific bass drum patterns? Yeah, not necessarily.
1: I mean, we're worse with my you know again i've i've been practicing that beat probably for 20 years so i think i've, right. I've gotten some of the basic mechanics of it down so now i'm just looking right. for like useful variations like what would be what would be yeah. a cool sounding bass drum pattern that i know that it's going to trip me up i would do right. that and then i would probably once i get a couple of those down i would then move the right hand to the ride cymbal and work on different left foot things that again are useful i wouldn't try to go useful for time super extreme right uh, yeah, that would probably be the main part, and then maybe a different day I would think, okay, how do I put this halftime shuffle into seven eight or or eleven eight or thirteen or something that's that right. I can't just go on autopilot? You know, what can I do to to break up sure. break it up? You know, so I'm not just yeah. doing muscle memory practice. I'm trying to think more conceptual with it. Perfect.
0: Yeah, um, that's perfect. So now we've got our main focus exercises for us out of the way, and then it's time for musical application or practical application. So for me personally, there's the thing of trying to throw it into, you know, Rosanna or Fool in the Rain. But what I like to do more than that is find songs that have that feel that don't have drums Mm -hmm. so that I can see, can I make this song feel good? Um, The other thing I do in musical application stage four is it's not just applying it to music, it's applying the texture itself to music. And when I watch Ash play a a halftime shuffle, one thing that I notice is his hi-hats and his ghost notes are insanely low compared to his kick and his backbeat. Yeah, yeah. And and he's usually going with the tip of the stick on the top of the hat type thing. So yeah. that's part of the musical application for me, too. Not just can I physically pull this off, but can I get the texture that would be appropriate? You know, if I'm going to play <laughs> Fool in the Rain by Zeppelin, I'm going to go side of the stick, side of the hat, relax the left foot a little bit. Every note's a little bit sloshy. Yeah. Um, and then if I'm going to play Rosanna, it's going to be full Ash zone, you know, as tight as I can, full Jeff Beccaro style.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, Shannon Forrest pointed out about the halftime shuffle. When I interviewed him, he, was, he said most people screw it up by playing the ghost notes and hi hat too too loud. It just it becomes this this nonsensical, you know, constant subdivide beat where you need that contrast, kick and snare, and everything else is just feathered in.
0: Yeah. You know, Um, I think the reason that happens is because it's so damn hard to learn and you put so much work into it. You want everyone you want everyone to know all the notes that you're playing. And it takes a lot of like ego control to say, "Okay, I'm going to make all the cool stuff crazy quiet. And all you're going to hear is boom, (laughs) cut and underneath that you get that's that takes a lot of, you know, kind of self-confidence to be okay with that. Um, yeah. I was watching some some Instagram videos as we were getting ready for this podcast today, and I heard that and I was like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "I'm playing 24 notes, and you're going to get all 24 notes." Yeah, I mean, can you imagine go, hey. being a
1: bass player or a keyboard player trying to find a spot or a, or a rhythm guitarist. Like, there's no there's no space for you. It's no, you took
0: up 24 out of 24 <laughs> possible notes in a measure of sixteenth note triplets. Yep. So my or musical application
1: would be to actually create a loop a live loop on the f- in on the fly and then try okay. to fit that those grooves whatever whatever kind of cool version i came up with in the the main focus stage maybe a seven eight version something with some different kick drums that would become the main part now i've got to write some kind of accompaniment on the, the wave drum or the nord pad or whatever right. that gives me just enough rhythmic structure that i can keep track of the pulse but not so much that i can just go on autopilot again like I got to really no, focus. Man. Like maybe it, maybe there's some gaps on beat two or three or something in the middle, something. So I'm basically just nice. aiming for the downbeats. That would be my my main. Like I, I, at this point, I don't like to play along to tracks anymore because I, again that. Unless I'm trying to replicate it and record it and evaluate myself, I think it becomes a crutch to where, like, yeah, I sound great when I'm playing with Jeff Beccaro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for the support, Steve Gadd. (laughs) Which, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, at some point you got to be like, all right, now what do I sound like when I'm just doing it?
0: Right. Uh, Of course. Well, okay. So I think my point here is for all of you guys listening, all you guys and girls listening, please, like, just know that. If you did what we just said, if you took one exercise and moved it from non-creative to creative to main focus to musical application, if you did all of that in 45 minutes, you would feel so accomplished and get so much out of that 45-minute chunk of time compared to just jamming and screwing around and going through Pandora and playing random songs or just playing things that you can already play. You would grow so much as a player, and it would teach you how deep you can go with everything, whether it be... You know, Mike and I started this whole thing with right, left, right, repeat. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah. it's, it lesson number two: right, right, yeah. left, left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Repeat. <laughs> That's what Carter and I always talk yeah. about with singles. <laughs> he's like, he's like, every email I answer the same way: play right, then play left. Do that for ten thousand hours, and then you'll just be scratching the surface. Hey, so I, I got to tell
1: you, I've got to give. So this approach, I think, is really. Really effective when when you know what you want to work on. Okay, for uh, sure. I've lately have been doing the opposite, where I have no idea what I need to work on until I discover where I what I suck at. So for me, awesome. I, I literally take it almost completely backwards. I'll start with just improvising. And then settling on something that I'm like, okay, that's something I haven't done before. It's not quite comfortable. What do I need to do to, to tighten it up? And then I take it backwards through this process of, okay, mm-hmm. well, how can I create totally. some practice routine or isolate the, the jacked up parts? So what happened with me just actually right before we started recording, I had to figure out what the heck I played this morning. Okay. I, I improvised. What I did was I created a loop actually posted it yesterday it's up on my instagram page if you want to check it out so i just created this like sort of a clave type loop kind of a drum and bass clave rhythm and that became my loop and i just started improvising over it, just playing over it and eventually i landed on a keith carlock type sticking where it's two kicks two hand accents and then a right right and a left left
0: okay yeah yeah
1: but i was outlining the accents in my loop so it ended up being like this phrase. I had no idea. I still don't know what I was doing. I'm playing eight notes, but I'm fitting them over the space of three sixteenth notes. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I made it fit. <laughs> I just I just worked yeah, yeah, on yeah. it until it fit. So then I, I didn't even know I was
0: playing eight notes until I looked at this morning. I'm like, what am I doing? Okay, it's that's funny, man. I've I've done that before, where I have a phrase just like that, like every third sixteenth note, and then I squeeze a a septuplet so pretty much the same thing you did i just do one kick and a paradiddle diddle yeah and so i'm squeezing a septuplet because i know where the pulse of one e and a two e and a and right. then i just squeeze this yeah, exactly. chop just that i fit have in into it. that yeah. Yeah. yeah and
1: it took a minute for me to figure the hardest part was the resolution like okay because it's it's three sixteenth notes so it's one uh and e four uh yeah but i'm out. playing something <laughs> like 30 second notes sort of so the end of it, I had to figure out, what do I do? Do I do three notes? Do I end with the left? Do I end with the right? So I so my practice lately has been the opposite. Like, it just just improvise, not randomly, but just try to make some music. Discover something that's... You know, I'm always looking for something I've never done before, and it's also just, just out of reach, technically. And then I just I take it, it just, back through.
0: It just depends on where you are in that timeline of your journey. When you're n- fairly new... I, I consider the first ten years of drumming fairly new. When you're fairly new to the I would instrument, say twenty, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I know. honestly, yeah. Well, I'm trying not to get anyone to quit on their drive. Yeah, I'm going to take up the kazoo. This is stupid. Um, <laughs> twenty years. I just started. I'm seventy-four. I got no time. Hey, Picasso um, didn't get to cubism until how many years in? You know, right? <laughs> Spent his whole life learning how to paint like a child. Uh, so, so yeah. So I think that in that first ten or fifteen years. Th- the the way I was describing it works really good for people where their drum yeah, teacher totally. tells them, yep. I need you to work on the paradiddle diddle. It's like, okay, don't just work on it. Go explore it. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I sit down, whether it be to just play to play for playing sake or for to film a video or something. Yesterday, my Instagram video had nothing to do what with what I posted, something that had nothing to do with what I filmed. So I sat down mm. and all I worked on was this two bar motif that started with four sixteenth notes and accentuating the uh of one. So back at get. And then I would solo for the next two bars. Yeah. That was supposed to be my Instagram video. I ended up posting paradiddle diddle paradiddle diddle paradiddle, <laughs> paradiddle between hands and foot because 20 minutes later, that's where I was. And I'm like, this has way more depth. This one little exercise, this is has more depth than this little solo thing. Like, that I feel like I'm forcing I'm forcing it for social media and I don't want to do that mm. and then when I got into my little exercise thing I was actually burning my hand was on fire I was like oh I've never done it at 130 this is kind of moving um, and I was working on my dynamics and it was weird it was like four bars that I was really proud of you know it's like <laughs> yeah I'll post this so I'm kind of in the same boat as like I just sit down and see where it takes me unless there's one of those moments where somebody says okay like, sometimes people will say, or I'll see somebody play a songgo, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, I feel so comfortable with the looped version of the songgo, but am I so comfortable with it that if I mess with it, I lose it? Probably. So mm. let me go back to that and explore the songgo right. and, uh, and do it with some Los Van Van and try to, you know, make it feel right and everything. So, well, cool. Well, hopefully that gives you guys a way to... Uh, You know, attack your practice today. That's our goal is to always keep you changing up. And if you just listen to what Mike and I both said, there is no right way to practice. The right way to practice is whatever you're inspired to do that keeps you on the kit and keeps you kind of focused on your own growth. However you attack that is up to you. All right. Featured artist time. Now, this is a little different. We've never done uh, four featured artists at once, but these are people that Mike and I think – are part of the future of drumming. We're, we're looking for drummers that in five or ten years, they're going to be names, and these are people that are just kind of killing it. Now, full transparency, we're kind of really looking at, or we're actually looking at Instagram drummers for the most part because that kinda, that's, that's the way that we're finding out about people right now, and it's the yeah. easiest way for us to find out about people. YouTube is great, but it, you really have to know what you're looking for to find it sometimes. Where with Instagram, it's almost like it finds you. Yeah, as soon as you start
1: following one or two, it's amazing how as soon as you start following one account, it's like, here's all these other really great suggestions. Where with YouTube, I'll go to the homepage. I'm like, why would I want to watch that video? Like, come on. It's probably because at one point I'd like researched how to change a car battery. And now I'm getting like all these suggestions that (laughs) like, what the hell
0: is this? Man, speaking of that, quick tangent. I have to stop looking up our gear review products on retail sites because oh. all as soon as i get on facebook it's like you sure you don't want to buy the universal audio interface i'm like what i've never even looked ah dawson yeah we reviewed that six weeks ago or like i, I don't want you know minel to come here i opened up facebook real quick and they're like want to check out this 22 inch sabian ride and they're like why are you being suggested that i'm like ah, we reviewed it on the pod i'm not looking for it Come on! All right. So, why don't you go first? Who is your first drummer for everyone to keep an eye out for?
1: Okay, so I went through my my feed this morning and looked, you know, for for some of my favorite accounts. And the one um, this is a I think he's he's local. Actually, we haven't actually met, but I know he lives in New York. Gunnar Olson. Um, He is I don't I think he's been touring with a bunch of people. Maybe he's most currently with with Mike Snow. Okay, Um, but he's a beast. and so I want to derail the conversation for a little bit because I've become obsessed with skateboarding feeds <laughs> on Instagram. Nice. I feel like if if Instagram would have existed in 1994, I probably would have stuck with it and tried to go like for real with skateboarding because there's so yeah. many great accounts. Uh, and the ones that I'm finding myself really kind of attracted to are the ones that are more kind of not the freak of nature nija houston the guys who can do the never screw up never show their you know their weakness they do right. they just they're like the lebron james of skateboarding like that that's cool i follow them but i like the 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 people who are still kind of figuring it out and they're a little more artistic um which i think translates into my my taste for the drummer feeds as well like gunner i think is every post he puts up it might just be his camera phone it might be good audio it might be a gig but he's always trying something new and the one he put up I think it was today or what it was two days ago over the weekend he's playing a two bars of a groove and then he plays a phrase in five another phrase in five and another phrase in six but it's all on 4-4 four, four. and he's got like 12 inch high hats I mean, he's every time he yeah. posts something I'm like I, I could practice that it's like a lesson every time I check out one of his videos uh, so, so it's, got t- it's
0: inspirational for you
1: yeah and it's not like you know, I, again, I don't. I'm not looking for like flashy, high quality, like studio, amazing lighting and dramatic. And they do some sort of script. I just want some some vibe, just some style, something cool, right? Um, and he's got that. I think he's in his rehearsal room. Um, and it comes through. It comes across. as like this guy's. He's legit. He's going for it. So let's drop in the audio from his latest post. So it's in four four. He plays two bars of four four, and then he plays a bar of five five six. It's pretty neat. That's Gunner, and he's he's a badass. And the thing is, he's he's a pro. He's working. He's on records. He's but he's. Right. He, I like that. He's just he's going for stuff. He's always going for something new, which is really inspiring. So, uh, back to the skateboarding post. I think. Wait wait uh, wait uh, wait. I'm what just. If, wanted... What if you
0: want to follow him? Oh we yeah, gotta, follow we gotta him. give his name. Follow buns, him. His Guns, name is Gun buns. buns. Gunner Olson. Gun Buns. Gun Buns. It's just one gun, two buns.
1: Gun Buns. <laughs> Gunner Olson. You're probably already following. He's a beast. Uh, but I want to give you the skateboarding accounts that I think you should follow as well. Nora V. Explora. She's a female skateboarder that's just got so much vibe, and it's definitely a throwback to like the 80s Lance Mountain kind of vibe, if you're into nice. that. Nice. So yeah. she's, she's my current favorite pro skater. I think she's a pro. She's got to be a pro at this point. She's an Adidas uh, artist. All Fantastic. right. So, what's your, your drummer of choice?
0: My first one is Alexander Flood. He's an Australian drummer, and uh, he was actually the winner of Australia's uh, Best Up-and-Coming Drummer Competition in 2016. He's been at school, and I think he just graduated his music college. Uh, He's a young cat, probably around 21, 22 years old, and he's he's just in it, man. He's just a deep, deep player, and he's got all the rudimental proficiency in the world, but also that huge care and love for stretching of time and and really putting out there but he's also a working drummer so same thing his feed is full of like it could be just him in a practice space it could be him at school it could be him playing some massive gig out in australia somewhere or just at home practicing on a pad or doing a, a dance gig you know with a buddy playing keyboard so Good stuff to follow for sure, and he's just a young player, but he's not trying to shed your face off the whole time. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. Uh, this is a post that he did. Let's see here. This is late December, so December 27th. He was still at school, and he's just rehearsing at school to a loop, and he you can just hear that. I mean, for a 21, 22-year-old kid, the guy's just stretching time, very Chris Dave-like, so let's check it out.
1: I wonder if Chris Dave realizes how influential he is at this point. I know. I mean, it's kind of like he's he's the guy. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And if you take Chris Dave, Nate Smith, and Questlove and just let that out there, I mean, imagine where it's going to go. Because people, one, when you try to steal something like that or be influenced by it, you're always going to fall short of the original. So you end up with your own thing inevitably, which is beautiful. Um, you know, if I tried to borrow from Nate Smith, it's going to mix in my drumming DNA with Abe from the Deftones. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool thing. But I think Alexander is a true player. I would say probably the thing that is next for him since his proficiency. I mean, did you see the kid's hands? He's got like Carter McLean type hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the touch is unreal. So the next thing is, okay, cool. You can do all this stuff that is out there in the world. What's next for you? Where's your voice? Yeah. And yeah. that's, I mean, when, and I think this is probably, you know, the next five or six years becomes that Benny Greb period for him where it's like, okay, you can do anything you want. Who are you as a player? What is your voice? And when he finds that and really, you know, settles on it, the kid's going to be unstoppable. So yeah, check out, uh, it's just Alexander underscore flood. So follow at Alexander underscore flood. And, uh, yeah, he's a stud man. All right. Who's next for you? All right. My second pick
1: is, um, probably the same sort of level player as, as Gunner. Uh, her name is Paris Jeffrey. She's a touring drummer. I don't know where she's based. Maybe London, maybe, maybe Australia. I'm not sure, but She was touring with the group Avalanches. Um, Again, I just—it's not like it. She hired a film crew and did all that. She just—you know—she's just documenting some of her ideas, and her her pocket is just really—it's kind of unreal. It's
0: confident, and you can tell she's
1: just loving playing the drums. Uh, She, to
0: me, when I hear her play, she's probably the epitome of what I think of—just of like professional rock drummer. Yeah every yeah, it's, note it's has care and passion and she cares about the groove more than anything else um, she has you know chops even the chops are musical chops that would be totally serviceable in a queens of the stone Age song
1: yeah and it's just um, some it's just so much style that's what I look for I look for style over over virtuosity at this point because I feel like right. It's just like anything else. There's only a few people who are gifted enough to do the Tony Royster. I mean, that's a that's a god given gift, which is impressive. But I also I want to hear someone. Just what do you got? And what do you? How do you express yourself? And she right. is sitting in the pocket, <laughs> you know, like Deep. unbelievable. So here's a breakbeat that she came up with. It's from January third.
0: just the drumming it's like the whole body showmanship yeah. like yeah you know she's in a room like a bedroom somewhere yeah. so i don't think she cannot play like that yeah i mean i think it's exactly. just when she gets sticks in her hands she goes for it and uh it's it's awesome flat out pro no doubt about it so if you want to follow her uh just it's at paris drums p-a-r-i-s-d-r-u-m-s so follow at paris drums i did this morning i've i never heard of her now let me ask you this did you go with the London slash Australian reference for any reason other than just like the same thing that I'm getting, which is like, she can't possibly be American. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm just looking at the way she shoots all of her pictures. I'm looking at all the scenery behind her and everything. I don't um, remember. I think it was, I mean, I'm looking at it on the
1: website and it doesn't really give you as much info as if you're looking on the app where you can actually see the location of the post. I'm assuming that at one point I saw Australia or, or
0: in London. When she's wearing a Red Sox hat. So it's like, is that one of those things where <laughs> the Europeans wear our stuff? Because I don't know. It's like ah. Either way, flat-out pro. All right, my last pick is another flat-out pro. This guy's become one of my favorite all-time drummers in the last year. Thank you to Instagram for doing what Mike and I said. Thanks for putting other drummers in front of me so that I can discover them. I'm talking about Dan. I believe it's Mayo, um, and he is an Israeli drummer, and the dude is just an absolute Monster of groove, creativity, chaos. Uh, yeah, it's yeah ballsiness. I, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, had you heard of Dan before I said this to you? Is he on your guys' radar at all? Yeah, but, um, it, it came up somewhere. I mean, he he was, I maybe about a year ago. His his
1: videos started popping up, and what I really liked about it was there were some people that absolutely hated it, and some people who thought it was the greatest thing ever, and that's what right. I love. Like if you're gonna, yeah. if you don't get it then fine but right. it, you know he's not swimming in the middle he's not trying to make everybody happy right. it's like either you no, dig it or you don't and that's totally not, cool
0: not stylistically but there is a little bit of an Ari honig vibe to it yeah of you're either going to get it or you're not yeah and
1: and it's not the, designed for
0: everyone that's why I, I really like his playing exactly and same i can't remember what his band's called is it uh oh man i got i got to look it up he's got an incredible band so the cool thing about dan is you can also listen to him um you know recorded let's see uh, i think it's t- tatron t-a-t-r-a-n right yeah um and they're just and they, they play some massive shows for being an experimental type band mm-hmm. um but before we talk any more about dan let's give him a listen A big, I gotta say, when I look back on what's made ANF kind of rise to wherever they are, he's a big part of it. I mean, cause yeah, he, he was, was playing the full ANF kits yeah, and the experimental size yeah. bass drums, yeah. And he might have been what made me take ANF so seriously. I remember seeing him, he's uh, in one of his videos where he's got all the CDs behind him on shelves, and I just thought, okay, I love the way this is shot, he clearly cares about. It's like the opposite of what you just talked about. He hired somebody and said, "Hey man, can you shoot me?" or or brought in a friend. Yeah. But it's clearly shot with a great camera, great lenses, uh but not not trying to be produced. It's it's weird. Yeah, there's right? it's
1: still artistic. That's what I was trying yes. to get at is is if you just have a beautiful set but you just play something that's not very artistic it doesn't it's not going to grab me as much as if you can figure out how to make an artistic statement with whatever you got if you got a camera if you don't if you got microphones if you don't and i think everything everything he posts it's it's got a vibe it's got some art behind it
0: yeah and that's you know even in i don't want to get too far into it but in social media 101 part of creating a great instagram channel is that if somebody went to your channel and just scrolled down that all of it would look like you but there'd still be variation But it's not just jumping around from – it's hard to explain, but it's not like just a collage of nine different people's posts. It's clearly all you. It's all been seen. I think that's what Instagram is, is give me a snapshot of what the world looks like through your personal lens. And when you scroll down on all the channels we've talked about, it's it's like, oh, yeah, this all looks like one cohesive thing. And you can tell that the people that shoot these videos – And then later take a picture with their camera, even when they get to the filters on Instagram, they're still going to adjust it so it all looks the way the world looks through their lens. And that's what Instagram and just social media in general, but definitely Instagram on a short scale gives us. It gives us a little look into like, oh, this is probably what the world looks like through Dan Mayo's eyes. And it's awesome. So uh, if you want to follow Dan, it's just Mayo Drummer, M-A-Y-O, Drummer. So follow him, and uh, these are some people to look out for. So we've got Paris Jeffrey, Gunnar Olson, Alexander Flood, and Dan Mayo. It's it's kind of interesting that we we kind of chose
1: similar type personalities. I dig it. Yeah. Like you yeah. know, we, None of us went for like obvious superstars or you know, it's substance. I think we we kind of gravitated towards substance yeah. over anything else. And for me, it, it's just the uniqueness of that person, whatever they do.
0: You know, it's like, that's well. That's why I kind of feel like everyone that we chose. It's like okay, you know, the Modern Drummer Festival back in the day and those DVDs or I guess for me videotapes. They they weren't just about showing me how great drummers were. They were kind of letting me know who am I going to see all the time in the industry ten years from now, mm-hmm. and because. Yeah. That was that's how we found out about these people. I mean, there's no way a a kid in Sacramento, California would know who Dave DeCenzo is. It just it's just not going to be in my face without that festival. Horacio Hernandez. uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think that, you know, with this, we just wanted to give you guys the listeners some people to look out for. And if you guys are cool with it, we'll do more of this stuff. So, all right, let's get into some. Almost Candy. We get to talk about it, but you don't get to hear it. Talking about some Vader drumsticks. And uh, so Vader's got some new Acorn models and putting the Acorn tip onto some of their more classic models. Yeah,
1: this is kind of wrapping up last year's releases. Um, So if if you're a fan of the Acorn style tip, which I wasn't aware that Vader didn't use which is kind of crazy
0: because a lot of people think of it as almost like a standard tip. Yeah, exactly. Know? And so they put
1: that on um, – I assume it's going to be on more and more models, but it's on like the, you know, the, the standards, 5A, power 5A, power 5B. Uh, I felt like the 5A Acorn was like almost a perfect stick for me. It just awesome. had everything that I needed. And I, maybe the acorn tip made it different. I don't know, but it just felt right. I don't want to – I can't really yeah, break yeah. it down.
0: I mean, an, an acorn tip in general, for those of you that don't know, um, let's take the Vader Fusion. That's a very common stick for them, and it comes with a ball tip. So a ball tip is going to have very, very small surface surface. Uh, to surface ratio because of the shape of it. You're, you have a, a ball that's hitting maybe your cymbal. So it's going to give you a really, really bright sound. And when you go to an acorn tip, it just really spreads that tip out and you've got a lot of more, a lot more wood that's making contact with the metal. And so acorn tips generally will warm up the sound of your cymbals. When you play a ride cymbal pattern, it's going to have a warmer, more woody tone than if you had a ball tip or a, maybe even, uh, something else. Like I know that, I don't know barrel. if Vader doesn't, but I've yeah. Barrel tip. Yeah. Um, and some of the companies do like a really pronounced acorn tip. Yeah. Um, this is more of like the classic, almost a bullet shape. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It
1: felt like it had a little bit more clarity than like an oval or something, but not right. quite as like ball peen hammer as a, as a small bead.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and they, they just feel good coming off of the symbol. At least in my experience, I've never been able to tell the difference in my drum sound. Uh, Maybe a little bit in the feel as the stick's coming back towards me, but I don't really tell a huge difference in the drum sound. But I definitely, when you're playing hi hats and ride and you're on the tip of the stick, I can definitely hear a difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They just felt transparent, which is, I don't want to be thinking about my sticks when I'm playing. So those were cool. And then, uh, have you tried the Mike Mangini signature stick? That might be the most. Extremely designed signature stick I've ever I've ever used.
0: Really, I'm going to Player's Designs right now. Uh,
1: <laughs> hey, it's the first me. drum set oh. <laughs> stick I've ever used that gets wider as you go out towards the, the beat. Wait, what? Yeah, no, it's it
0: illegal. <laughs> it gets thicker as you go. Oh, out. Oh yeah, the Wicked Piston. No, that's yeah. a lie. Yep. Do you know how hard? That, okay, think about the way Vader cuts their sticks. They cut them with these crazy knives. How the heck does a knife do that? I don't um, know. It starts with yeah, like a five A
1: at... grip, but then it gets wider, like a five B or something. As you does get up towards the rim shot, it area. must
0: feel like you're swinging baseball bats. Like they get, it
1: gets wider at the end. It like felt mini. Base. It felt like it had its own gravity. Like whatever I was yeah. aiming the stick at, it would just go in there. Like whatever. Like we're gonna hit that symbol right <laughs> now.
0: You can't pull up on this. You cannot pull up. We're just go. We're going down. It's Kamikaze sticks, which
1: which gives me a whole new respect. I mean, I've always known that Mangini was a beast, but the fact that right. he can play with the agility that he can with these sticks, which are they're not light. These are not wimpy feather sticks. These are right. beasts of sticks, and they're long. They're like uh, how long are they? They're almost seventeen inches. They're sixteen and three quarters inches long.
0: Wow, man! Yeah, So yeah, they're, yeah, they're I love that. Like. Beefy. The, On um, Vader's website, it's like other people that play the stick. Sean Kinney from Alice in Chains. No, (laughs) really, I wouldn't have thought. Of course, of course he does. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, I used to play all of the Simon Says shows back in the day. I always played with my sticks backwards. um, Oh yeah, just because they lasted longer that way, and I wasn't, you know, but I was playing three A's backwards for probably five Mm. to six years of shows, and. Like as you're pulling up, there's so much weight on the way down. It it's it it becomes addictive. I bet you know someone that would love this stick too. Even though he's probably got his own stick with Vader is uh, Morgan Rose. I just revisited Morgan, dude. He is such a stud. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He gave maybe the (laughs)
1: loudest clinic I've ever seen. Like it was so (laughs) freaking loud.
0: (laughs) I bet he's he's a great drummer, man. He's uh. I I hope that he just stays in the drum world forever because um, he's a great rock drummer. But anyways, um, so you checked out the Mangini and then just some Acorn, the 5A?
1: Yeah. Well, the Mangini also laughs a little bit about it. It, uh, It's designed to where if you grip up further on the stick, it responds differently. It's it's really kind of a neat stick to check out. Um, Wow. You certainly wouldn't use it on your jazz gigs, but... Right. Pretty neat, it's just to see how far they went with that design. But then there's Anthony Vichelli's signature stick, which, again, uh, just felt like a perfect stick. It was like in between yeah. a 5A and a 5B. I think you've reviewed B. those in the past. Yeah, and it was Back- just like, okay, that's that's a perfect stick. And then Abe Cunningham's stick, which is a big stick. It's bigger than a 5B, but not quite as big as a 2B. Okay. It still felt really good. Like, I used it and didn't it didn't tire me out. Um, and I nice. generally play a 5A, five 5B, five so this was a step up. But yeah, again, they're all just really nicely balanced. So good sticks. Um, I'm very excited to check out their new stuff at the NAMM yeah. show. Yeah, so, so, so
0: if you guys are at the nam show right now while you're listening to this, swing by Vader's booth. Say what's up to Chad Brandolini, their A&R. Don't hit him up for an endorsement. That's not the place to do it. <laughs> just say hi. And motor on. You can call and him later. Get his business card. Whatever. I have
1: a feeling and that Chad's on. probably has the same uh, appreciation
0: for the fist bump that I do. <laughs> yes, I, I would. Uh, and and they're from Boston, so if you if you come in for a hug, he might punch you in the throat. Just uh, <laughs> these guys are wicked hardcore. All right, let's get into some listener questions. What do we got? Oh, we didn't talk about the
1: DW Lowboy hi hat.
0: Well, we'll just do it next. time We're already over an hour. Okay. We're going deep on this one. <laughs> All right, let's quickly. Is this podcast uh, just so that you don't have to do any work? Is that why we do this podcast? (laughs) So you can tell the bosses around there, like, sorry, podcast ran long. (laughs) No,
1: I would like nothing rather than to have this hour back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. Trying to figure out ounces
1: of hi-hats. What the hell? First question comes from Warren, so we'll try to keep these short and sweet. Um, I have an issue with sympathetic buzz. I've tried all the tricks. I tune the Tom up and down or all around. I loosen the wires. I loosen the lugs near the snare bed. I put moon gel on the top and bottom of the snare. I even tried a 30 What's strand it? wire. Uh, but so any, any suggestions? I think I, this is the embrace the freaking
0: buzz. I know? can't. Yeah. I can never answer this because I'm like, why do you want to get rid of it? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think sympathetic snare buzz is the best. Um, I, I, but if it's if it's insane like then you've got probably a, a tuning issue with the rack tom, um, you know. But yeah, I mean sympathetic sympathetic snare buzz. <laughs> sh- stop it! Don't look at me like that. I saw that. Uh, sympathetic snare buzz is part of the drum set. It always has been. If you've ever played in jazz, man, I mean, dude, when the altos come in, your snare goes nuts yeah i mean that's why you have the throw off
1: that's why the throw off exactly. exists
0: exactly it's so that when they take their little little you know interlude you just turn off your snares and then you always forget to turn them back on and your first rim shot goes Poing! yeah and you're like ah, oh, damn it um, but yeah embrace the buzz next
1: okay this one is from nick um so he says let's say you know ahead of time that of the room that you are going to be performing in, how does that that change your choice of gear and what adjustments to your playing and equipment do you make on the gig? Mm. Yeah, for me, it's it's that's like priority number one. Well, how big is the room? What kind of room is it? And then I decide, and what you know, what's the music? And then I decide yeah. which cymbals I am going to take. I mean, I have the luxury of, of owning several sets of cymbals. If if I didn't, if I just had some zildjanes, I'd take my zildjanes, whatever. Um, yeah. So mainly, it's snare drum and cymbal is determined. Snare drum composition and size is going to could be influenced. If it's in a brick room with concrete floors, I'm not going to take a steel snare drum by default. You know,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: And then as far as on the gig, I mean, as soon as I get sound check, I can tell what's going to happen. You know, how much as soon as you get that feedback from the wall, like, okay, is is there is this has to be a real deliberate simple performance, or do I have some some room to you know, open up a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, since I, I have kind of an opposite situation where I have a writer for all of my clinics and festivals saying, this is the gear that I play no matter what I get there. It's the same gear every time, but the room is always different. And so then it's all uh, in yeah. me and right. how I attack the instrument. So I would say that it, it's both. If you have a lot of gear and you can kind of cherry pick for the room, that's great. But for me, it's always going to be the same gear, and then I have to adjust it in my personal playing and my own personal dynamics. Next.
1: Do you ever just yeah. resort to the throwing some tape on the drums and stuff? Has that ever happened to you?
0: No, I mean, I do bring gels. Um, I've been using those, uh, the ones from Revolution lately. I mm-hmm. um, can't remember the name. True but I, Yeah, the True Tones. I've been using those. Lately. I, I always have those with me. But, no, even then, I I think sometimes I just – I watched – I learned a lot about dynamics. This is going to sound crazy. I'm doing a camp with Mark Juliana and Ash Stone, and I learned a ton about dynamics from Ash because Mm -hmm. Mark has beautiful dynamics. I mean, insane dynamics. But Ash is a heavy hitter, so watching him adjust his playing for the room because he's got a bunch of people sitting right in front of him was really cool. One thing that he does a lot, he crashes almost all the time with the tip of the stick on the bell of the crash. And that reinforced mm. to me that a crash is not an explosion. It's an action. It, it's a verb to crash. And so he makes that motion and he just gives you this little sting on the bell. It goes ting. And that's his crash. But it, it kind of punctuates the sentence the yeah, way he wanted exactly. it to. And no one covers their ears. And so I just kind of change things when I get to the room. I, when I did Revival Drum Shop a couple of weeks ago, the room held 45 people. And we had 75 crowded around me. So, I mean, I was way down, one in-ear in, one in-ear out, so I could really hear myself. So, yeah. All right. Last question.
1: All right. The last one from Chris. Is there a best way to pick out cymbals and hopefully ultimately be happy with them? Uh, For me, because I do a lot of testing for Modern Drummer where I'm in a controlled room and then... I also make sure to always take them to a gig because the things I'm hearing in my studio, which is very controlled, I'm hearing all the nuance, all the color, all the tech, all the little, you know, whatever timbres that are in the metal. As soon as you get down to a different room, a lot of that, some of it disappears. Some of it becomes more accentuated. Uh, There's certain, there's certain types of symbols that will go unnamed that when I take them out to a gig, they hurt my ears. it's like for whatever reason they sounded beautiful in my studio when i take them to the gig i'm like man that just there's like a mid-range frequency that's just killing me yeah so even though they sound great i'm not enjoying playing them because they just hurt me so if you can take them to a gig like a a typical gig for you that would be ideal
0: yeah i know it's tough i mean one thing you can do too is try to find some drum buddies that have lots of gear and just ask them like hey can i trade you out your ride for today and can i take it around i've got this gig I've, I've got people coming by all the time to borrow symbols from me for gigs and for stuff that they were they weren't even testing them out they were just like hey i've got a recording session can i use a set of symbols yeah of course and then they come back and they're like uh, i'm gonna buy those it's like oh mm. okay cool <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure Minel knew that going in when they sent me all these symbols <laughs> right. um but but yeah so you know drum buddies is always great and then also too, maybe talk to your local drum shop and just say What's the return policy? Like, I'm committed to buying a ride symbol, but if I buy this and don't like it, can I bring it back within 24 hours? Um, You know, and and just take it around and play it a little bit. I totally agree with Mike. All right, everybody, thank you so much for your questions. Keep sending in your questions to MDinfo at ModernDrummer.com. We totally appreciate it. And you can always send audio questions as well. We'll do an audio episode soon. All
1: right, it's time for Picks of the Week, buddy. All right, mine is not $1,000. It is the. Uh, Hank Mobley track Roll Call featuring Art Blakey on drums. You can find it on iTunes or I'm sure it's posted on YouTube or whatever. That is currently the drum solo that I'm going to be you know, revisiting and transcribing and, and memorizing. Because I think it is one of the most perfectly constructed drum solos in the jazz idiom that I've ever heard. It's not... It's not super crazy with the chops or the phrasing, but he knows how to tell a story. Um, he begins the solo by playing time and just a little bit of snare here, a little bit of kick drum here, but it's just so compelling. Um, nice. And just Blake, again, Blakey's vibe to me is just it's just so it, it's just all vibe, you know. It's 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 not in the brain. This is all coming from the heart and soul, right? Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. you're not a huge fan of jazz, Blakey might be the guy to kind of pull you in with his just soulfulness. It's just badass. He's got some awesome. punk rock kind of grit to him that oh, I, you I know I what? Dig.
0: That's a great way to describe. It. I I completely
1: agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm roll call by Hank Mobley, the tenor saxophonist, with the great Art Blakey on drums. Check out the drum solo. It's towards the end of the track. He also plays an intro that's like. It sounds like an African master drummer calling everyone, like, it's ready to roll. Come on. Let's go. It's so cool.
0: Cool. I'll check it out. All right. My pick uh, is for most people that have been following me on social media probably know that I've been getting into snare drums lately. And that is because I spent my whole life learning how to play and learning how to teach. And gear really wasn't that important to me. As far as knowing everything about the history of every single drum, I, I'm just not that guy. Well, recently, I I want to know more about the drums. I want to know more about the history and where they took big turns and, and made big growths. And so uh, if you want to start getting into vintage drums, but you don't want to spend a ton of money, I would recommend a 60s Dixieland, a Gretsch 60s Dixieland round badge. You can get a 14 by 5, 6 lug for somewhere, depending on the finish, you could probably get it as low as 250. Obviously, if there's an immaculate one, you're going to spend closer to five. But if you want to just get that nice woody sound of an old vintage drum and just hear kind of like, oh, okay, this is what snares sounded like in the 50s and 60s, this would be a great place to start. So they're just called uh, Gretsch Dixieland round badge snares and um yeah i'm looking at a red sparkle one on reverb that's in really decent condition for 250 bucks generally what's going to happen with a lot of these that you want to watch out for is going to be where the seams of the wrap meet usually that's starting to peel a little bit or come undone so if you can find one where the seams are really good that's great and then obviously you want to look at the bearing edges and make sure the bearing edges are clean because some of these have been dropped a million times um and that's yeah. the difference. When you find the four to $500 one, it's because it's in immaculate playing condition. So.
1: Yeah, I made the mistake of buying a blank shell, a vintage shell. Okay. And I, either they took the hardware off because the shell was jacked up or the shell got jacked up because the hardware was it removed. You took the hardware off? So I got it rebuilt, and I'm like, man, this thing just doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh, There's a reason they, cool. they, they, they basically stripped it for parts and then sold the yeah. shell separately. I was really bummed. Would, it was a nice chrome over brass shell. I'm like, this is going to sound amazing. And like, something's weird. Something's <laughs> weird. <laughs> I would
0: definitely. I mean, if, if you don't know how, what you're looking for, I would recommend um, Nelson Drumco. I would recommend, is it Wooden Weather? Does that sound right? I don't know that one. Okay, so there's a a used shop called Wooden Weather Drum Shop and then definitely Revival Drum Shop. They're going to be able to find these things used all over the world and then make sure the ones that they're selling to the public are in great playing condition. But yeah, just check out a Gretsch round badge Dixieland snare. Uh, Six lug will be a lot cheaper than the eight lug. So
1: there you go. All right, let's get out of here. It's a long show. So who's kicking us out of here? This
0: is who we got, Kyle? I'm not scared. Yeah, Kyle um, Kyle Denny, is that yep. right? Kyle Denny's going to close us out
1: with his what kind of beat is this? Oh, it's another detuned maybe an acrolyte. <laughs> Possibly an acrolyte. <laughs> you mean
0: that? <laughs> uh yeah, that does sound kind of acro-light-ish. Yeah. Ah, great job, Kyle. Thanks for sending us the groove. Everyone, please, if you get a chance, go to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and give us a review and maybe a little five-star rating that helps other drummers find this podcast, which is our goal. And thank you guys so much. Go follow those Instagram drummers we were talking about and uh, enjoy the inspiration that ensues.